Okay, so a quick uh, thank you to Mallory Smart and Textual Healing for allowing me to read an excerpt from my novel, Scarecrow Has a Gun. Uh, my name is Michael Paul Kozlowski, and this book, if anyone's interested, is a uh, speculative, speculative literary uh, thriller, I would say. Um, comparisons have been made to Don DeLillo and J.G. Ballard. And I'm going to read uh, an excerpt from middle of the book, uh, and a song I would pair with it uh, would be Super Furry Animals is uh, It's Not the End of the World, and I think that's appropriate because that song is actually playing during this scene. Uh, you'll hear that in the middle of it. So here we go. I parked along the curb, just as she did in that memory of hers we watched together. And just like her, I closed the door softly and walked across the grass instead of the driveway toward a house that was completely dark. I didn't want to knock or ring the bell. I had no desire to speak with David. I just wanted to make sure he was alive and well, something I never thought I'd feel. I wanted to see that he was home, that maybe I was mistaken when I believed Mr. Olger had, had snatched him from my memory and, like a billionaire vigilante, punished him for his crimes. I peered in through the front windows, cupping my hands on either side of my face, but couldn't see a thing. There wasn't a single light on, not even outside. I walked to each window, but between the darkness and blinds saw nothing and heard not a sound coming from within. Briefly, I considered hopping the fence and checking the backyard. As I stepped off the driveway, a car turned the corner, its light shining on me. Quickly, I ducked behind a tree. The car was slow to pull away, the headlights lingering in my direction. I could hear the engine idling. Did they see me? If so, there was a possibility they might call the police. Suddenly, I had the urge to relieve myself and brought my legs tightly together. Eventually, the car pulled away and I emerged slowly from behind the tree. The coast was clear. Standing in front of the two-car garage, I peered into each of the four small rectangular windows. One car was there. The other side was empty. Turning around, I noticed there were three newspapers sitting at the curb in transparent blue bags. I ran down the driveway and checked the mailbox. There were several several envelopes inside. David's name was on all of them. Fuck, I said, looking around. A car was pulled over some houses down, engine running, lights off. Was it the same one that had driven past? I put the mail back in the mailbox, and as I closed the lid, the car's lights shot on as if I woke it up. Fuck, I said again, and quickly hopped in my car and drove off. I found myself sweating profusely, rocking back and forth in the seat. Maybe I groaned. In my state, I couldn't put what I saw or didn't see into perspective. What did it mean? Where was David? I checked my rearview mirror. Nothing. With deep breath, I rolled down the window and streamed my music. It's Not the End of the World by Super Furry Animals was automatically selected, and when I looked up again, I saw headlights behind me. Not a big deal. Could be anybody. After rolling through some stop signs, I pulled to a light and waited to get back on the expressway. Behind me, the car, having followed the entire way, inched closer. I watched in my rear view as it tapped my bumper. My car lurched and I with it. It was no accident. Did they expect me to step out of the car? There was no one else around, a dark deserted service road. He tapped me again. The light changed and I decided to step on it. I raced out onto 495, cutting over to the left lane without signaling. The car followed. It could be David, I realized. He could have caught me spying on him. But there was an even greater fear to overtaking me. A fear that it was someone to do with the memory palace. Perhaps I had gone too far. Fuck! I picked up speed and the car kept up. Punk kids. Maybe it was just some punk kids messing with me. The car's horn blared. It was held for several seconds, paused, then went off again. It wasn't a typical horn. More like the dream scream of a tortured woman. 
The sound practically took a seat beside me, a constant presence in my ear reverberating throughout my inside, shaking me apart. I turned the music as loud as possible to drown the horn out. Stepping on the gas, I began weaving in and out of every lane, including the HOV. Still, the car followed. Whoever it was drove expertly. It didn't seem like a struggle at all, more of a joyride. I was up close to 100 miles per hour, and I made some distance between me and any other cars on the expressway, save my tail. We were alone on a wide stretch of concrete. I punched it, my hand protectively on the memory palace resting on the seat beside me. The speedometer crossed the century mark. Still, the car veered into the next lane and picked up speed. It pulled alongside me. Nervous, I might have slowed some. Don't look over. Don't look over. In line with me now, I could feel the driver staring at me. I imagined a gun pointed at my head. Don't look over. Don't look over. I did. It was only a quick glimpse, seconds of a glance, if that, but I couldn't understand what I saw. The driver was wearing a mask. Nothing crazy, just something that made him look slightly less than human. A clear plastic mask distorting his features, similar to the one John Cale wore on the cover of his album Vintage Violence. There was no one else in the car. He swerved into me and I recoiled and almost hit the divider. I slowed and the other car did the same. When I picked up speed, it did so too. I looked into the car again, but this time I couldn't see anything. His seat might have been back. I kept waiting for a gun to go off. We drove for some time like this. Finally, as if nothing had happened, as if there never had been a chase to begin with, the car slowed and got off at the, at the exit reading Brookhaven Lab. The driver even used his blinker. My heart was racing. I could barely keep the wheel straight, and for some reason I didn't slow down. My music shuffled. Iggy Pop's tiny girls moaned through the speakers, and I had to shut it off. Once again, I drove in silence, not a clue as to where I was heading. So I thought, uh, uh, I mean, I could have picked a John Cale song or even the Iggy Pop, but I wanted to keep with uh, Super Furry Animals. Uh, it's not the end of the world because, uh, and that has a question mark at the end of the title. And I think that's appropriate for Sean in this situation and throughout the book is he's constantly qu questioning, is it the end of his world? Uh, and that's a theme that runs through the book. So I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I want to thank Mallory again and uh, keep listening to Textual Healing. It's, it's wonderful. Thanks.